1: Hello, friends, and welcome back to the most important podcast in the universe. That is the Roto-World football podcast. My name is Josh Norris. I want to thank our podcast producer, Josh Norris, for helping us with this episode. I also want to point you in the direction of rotoworld.com. We have plenty of great content up, post-draft content still going, plenty of NFL stuff on the NFL section, as well as Evan Silva's tears of fantasy football rankings, namely for best ball. So without further ado, let me point you towards Evan Silva, who is joining me on this episode. Evan, how are you?
0: I'm doing really well, man. Doing really well. I've been uh, doing best ball drafts since long before the NFL draft. Um, I made some decisions that I really like. Yeah, uh, you know, in in retrospect, and I made some decisions that I don't really like in retrospect. But all in all, I feel okay about my exposures so far. I did a tweet, uh, I don't know if it was a day or two ago about uh, my highest owned players, and uh, we can get into that. Um, but I'm, you know, fr- from here on out, there's not going to be a whole lot of movement. You know, we got Dez still out there. Who, you know, I'm not even sure that he's going to affect where he goes. Uh, you know the, ton- the biggest
1: recent move was probably I mean, CJ Anderson, right?
0: Yeah, it was it absolutely was because Christian McCaffrey went from i mean he w- he was looking sweet after the draft as like RB9 overall yeah. Uh, and CJ Anderson took him down to like RB uh, 15 or RB 16 for me on draft now draft you have to understand um, if you 've been playing you know MFL tens that 's full point PPR. On draft is half point PPR, much more touchdown oriented, um, and we'll get into all those, um, you know, the little little strategic aspects.
1: Yeah, and and obviously you can tell for all of you listeners that this entire episode is going to be best ball centric, best ball focused. You can apply it to any fantasy draft that you're doing, and really any of our discussions here in football. Um, but we we want to keep it best ball focus because Evan, as he mentioned, has already completed many best ball drafts. I just started after the NFL draft, um, and I've completed a handful as well. And there's a lot of takeaways um, that I've noticed. And so we'll get into a bunch of topics. Evan, we should probably start by telling everyone, I mean, I know they've heard us talk about it in previous years, but exactly what best ball Mm -hmm. is. And to me, I always Mm -hmm. explain it as like the best part of fantasy football like it's it's just drafting and whoever drafts the best wins at the end of the season you know there's no waivers there's no lineup changes injuries matter but you can't do anything about it so it's just 18 rounds if we're talking again about draft.com um, it's 18 rounds without defense and without kicker and again your optimal lineup is set and there is a difference between selecting rosters and teams in redraft versus best ball? And I'm sure we'll get into that as we go along.
0: It features the skill of drafting, okay? It separates the best drafters from the guys who, you know, might be good in fantasy, but they lean more on the waiver wire. And that's fine. You know, that's a fine way to be good in redraft. You don't have that opportunity in best ball. So, the you know, year over year, um, you know, in terms of volume, draft over draft, the best drafters are going to rise to the top in the best ball format. um, Whereas, you know, in redraft, so much of it is dictated by the players you get on waivers. You know, maybe you got off to a slow start last season. Alvin Kamara was on a ton of waiver wires to begin last year. I mean, he was the Saints third string running back behind Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson to open the year. Maybe you started off slowly. You didn't draft a good team but you were able to pick up Alvin Kamara, and he lifted you.
1: Meanwhile, if you were able to draft Alvin Kamara in like round 14 of best ball leagues last year, that gave you a huge edge, a huge leg up. And And, I I even think, Evan, later down the road, we should do like a rookie-focused podcast and just going from the ranges of outcomes possibly to ones that we are targeting and not in best ball and redraft leagues because I think that would be a really good uh, topic. Um, We're not going to focus necessarily on rookies, namely – Um, I do want to add though, again, you can go check out Evan and I are playing on on draft.com. And if you go to draft.com slash rotoworld or use promo code RW or use promo code Josh, you get a free $3 entry. And again, it's one of these, um, it's really a type of fantasy football that if you try it once, you're going to love it. Like you get hooked and I absolutely have, and I'm doing more and more each year and Someone m- mentioned to us, Evan, someone tweeted at us that like they couldn't imagine having, you know, a hundred leagues. I don't really consider best ball as leagues, right? I just consider it an investment and I try to bank on the edges I can create with projections or roster changes or talent level or rookies. And then, you know, when it comes week 15, week 16, hopefully I can recoup some of the money that I invested, uh, in, in my drafting skills.
0: One of the, uh, biggest aspects of uh, best ball drafting is the pure roster construction yeah um so we get 18 picks in uh i think all draft best ball whether you're playing a three-man league whether you're playing a 12 man whether you're playing 10 or 8 or 6 um you i think it it is all 18 rounds so how are you going to allocate those selections you're going to pick 18 players you have to decide how many quarterbacks are you going to take you know how many running backs are you going to take how many wide outs how many tight ends um, draft does not have defense Josh what has been your <laughs> basic roster construction so far while drafting
1: yeah and it kind of depends on if I invest what what position I invest early on in if it's wide receiver or if it's running back and sometimes it's a mix of both right um typically and and this is simple typically i exit with just two quarterbacks and two tight ends um now if eli manning is there in the 18th round sure i'll add him as my third quarterback something like that or if or if ricky seals jones or maybe a mike asicki is there in round 18 maybe i i add them as the third tight end um, i'm trying to pull up teams so here if i go like a not not zero running back necessarily, Evan, but I'm I'm siding towards it, I'll go anywhere from seven to eight to nine running backs, okay? Because then I can focus on six, seven, eight wide receivers. But I I really balance it out between those two positions. Uh, Typically seven running backs, seven wide receivers, and then two and two with tight ends and quarterbacks. But again, sometimes it'll change to six running backs and then eight wide receivers or eight running backs and then six wide receivers. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm still trying, you know, it took me three years to really get a full handle on the MFL 10 format. And this is only my second year playing uh, on draft. And last year I did very, very little. Yeah, um, I think I only played one full best ball league and I actually won it. Um, but my, my, my quarterbacks in that league were Matt Ryan, who did not have a good year, and Tyrod Taylor. Um, who got benched at one point and didn't exactly crush it uh, when he was in there. Uh, And then, you know, obviously that's a really small sample size to draw on, but if you look at the scoring for the quarterback position, it's really de-emphasized. And I agree with you that two quarterbacks is optimal. Now that puts you in a risky position. If one of your guys does get benched, if one of your quarterbacks does get injured, you're at a severe disadvantage. For sure. But... But if you just get guys that are going to keep their jobs, I think you're going to be fine. I do not think that, you know, taking Deshaun Watson, even if he has a great year, and I do think he's going to have a very good year, Evan, as a top six or seven uh, fantasy quarterback right now, but even if he has a great year, I do not think that, like, using a single digit round pick on him, I do not think that's a good decision.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, it seems like we say this every year, Evan, but like, Quarterback has never been deeper for players that you can depend on from getting numbers at the position, right? Like, if we're talking about ADP right now at quarterback, Drew Brees is quarterback seven, Jimmy Garoppolo is quarterback eight, Jared Goff is like quarterback 10, Matthew Stafford, Ben Roethlisberger, if you want to throw in Andrew Luck as well. I mean, those are hovering around the 10, 12, 13 area. And so it's one of those, like last year, a lot of people responded back to me as the season went along at the end of it. It's like, oh, thanks so much for. Uh, nominating Russell Wilson in round six, and then coming back with Cam Newton in round nine or 10, right? It really helped people win leagues this year, Evan. I'm not really focused on adding any of those quarterbacks in those areas in round six and round seven, because I really, really want to wait in the position. And again, I understand he's 37 years old, whatever, but like there have been multiple leagues where Eli Manning is there in round 17 or 18. And if we like Saquon Barkley, if we like all of his wideouts, if we like Evan Ingram, I don't see why adding a quarterback like that as your quarterback three in that area. It's it's a no brainer to me.
0: I'm with you, especially in that 18th round. What you really just want, I think, is a contributor, a guy who is going to. He's likely to add to you know your weeks. You want big weeks. You want to have weeks where you you know score the most in the league that particular week. You want to get as many of those as you possibly can. You also want to balance out your floor. So look, you know, and Eli Manning, I, I, I'm with you that he's really hard to stomach. He's hard to trust. Even a guy like Ryan Tannehill, is, who's sort right. of in that range, I, they're going to, if they stay healthy and they keep their jobs, and look, neither of those is a guarantee. Uh, but if they do those things, and they're much, they're in much better position than, like, I think Joe Flacco with Lamar Jackson, right. you know, creeping on him. Or, um, you know, Tyrod Taylor with, you know, just a matter of time before Or Sam Bradford
1: with Josh Rosen behind him or
0: Sam Bradford with Josh Rosen. You know, those these guys, Eli Manning and Ryan Tannehill do not have young players creeping for their jobs. And so they have a higher probability of keeping those jobs. They are inevitably going to have good weeks. It's quite conceivable that Ryan Tannehill has a season like Matt Ryan did last year and he can be a producer. And Eli Manning, look, you know, two OBJ slants, and you know, one uh, Evan Ingram contested catcher, right. one you know, quick dump off to Saquon Barkley, and that's a three touchdown week. And he's a top five fantasy quarterback that week.
1: Yeah, if if those guys give you like if Eli gives you two or three top seven or eight quarterback weeks, like he has absolutely paid his value. Uh, it's at at round seventeen or eighteen, and you mentioned, and, and I kind of want to get into this later on, but maybe now is the time. Like you mentioned, floor and ceiling plays, right? There, there's a big difference between in those rounds sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Like your your floor plays at wide receiver, like I think Trent Taylor is a perfect example, right? Someone who might get you know five catches for forty five yards, or maybe if, if he gets in the end zone, like at least you know out of that spot you're going to get five, seven, nine points out of that position. And and I think that's a solid uh, not even risk but, but but a solid player to take in, in round 16, 17 or 18.
0: Completely agree with that conceptually. Now, Trent Taylor was a guy that I was drafting a lot before the draft. And I'm not scared saw...
1: I'm really not scared of Richie James. And I know like some people really like Richie well, I'm, James, I'm but talking I'm talking about
0: not. Dante Pettis. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um I'm more worried about Dante Pettis. Okay. Uh but you know, these are these are the little things that You know we have to try to try to figure out. You know that this is what really makes it it, it fun, uh, because we have Pierre Garçon. He they can't cut him. You know he's he's going to be back. Yeah. We we are not totally sure about his health in the middle of May. Marquis Goodwin they gave an extension. He's locked in. And then it's going to be Trent Taylor and Kendrick Bourne down a little bit of a ways. But they traded up for Dante Pettis, so that is a concern. I have stopped taking Trent Taylor. But based on how often I was taking him before the draft, I hope that he is able to keep that slot receiver job. I really liked what I saw from him as a rookie. And I thought he had a chance to take a step forward too. and be like a, a 60, you know, 655 touchdown guy. And I would love to get that in the 18th round.
1: Yeah. Keep taking a step forward all the way to Canton, Ohio. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Uh, okay, we started, you know, broad and generic here, Evan, and and maybe the right way to do this is to talk through what we have seen early on. And what I've seen early on is running backs being invested heavily in rounds one and two. Um, I believe I mentioned, I, I listened to a JJ Zacharyson podcast of uh, the late round podcast from a few weeks ago. And he mentioned that Three more running backs are being drafted in the first and second round this year than compared to last year. You know, th- there was this wave of, okay, we want to avoid the position, yada, yada, um, and invest in wide receivers. Meanwhile, last year, Evan Wright, we had a down year at receiver, and then more catches and receptions and targets are going towards running backs. So my question to you, I'm sure you've seen that same trend in all the drafts that you're doing. How do we react to it? And is it something that we should just also fall in line with? Or are you kind of going to zig when everyone else is zagging
0: as well? Um, So it's a really good question. And something that I've tried to do sparingly is get away from running backs in the early rounds. Every time that I've done this, I've come out really thinking my team stinks and ending up with, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Marshawn Lynch is my RB two and Devante Booker as one of my top four. And much more often than not, I end up just starting like four straight running backs. Um, And then I'll come back and take Marshawn or Rex Burkhead uh, in the early double digit rounds. And I I feel good about those teams um, because By taking running backs that have secure workloads in the early rounds, um, I can just throw more darts at wide receiver and, um, you know, allocate more resources to other positions. I like to take three tight ends. You know, I, I prefer to take three tight ends. I don't always do it, but I like it because it's a high injury rate position. It's actually a higher injury rate position than running back, um, and I want touchdowns, and the the tight end position in particular is so dictated by touchdowns yeah. that I want to be. I want to have optimally three guys, you know, three dart throws each week, guys try, that that I think can get into the end zone, you know. And very often that that third tight end would be like Ricky Seals, Jones, yeah. Vance McDonald, you know, OJ Howard. If I want to get a little aggressive, uh, but I I ideally you want three tight ends. I usually go seven or eight running backs. uh, I'm sorry, seven or eight wide receivers, uh, five to six running backs and two to three quarterbacks.
1: So here's one of my rosters that I put together. And I took some quarterbacks way too early because I wasn't confident in the running backs at all. Um, But this gives you a sense of what you might expect at running back. If you go like true zero running back, my wide receivers were Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, Cooper cup, to start at that position, which I feel great about. Okay. But then at running back, you had Duke Johnson, James White, Naeem Hines, Bilal Powell, Theo Riddick, Elijah McGuire. Like, you know, I, I I can't sit up and like feel like this is going to be one of my best teams because of how poor and how, how bad that position looks. And it's very different in best ball than it is in redraft because in redraft, I could spend all my focus, all my waiver priorities, on running back to try to hit someone that can be a top 12 contributor at the position. Meanwhile, again, in best ball, I absolutely can't do that um, at the running back position after, after I go through the draft.
0: Yeah, and when, I, when I'm looking at the running backs later on, I'm looking for, you know, when I put myself in that position, I'm looking at running backs that, you know, if another running back in the same backfield gets hurt, this guy can be a league winner. And I think that Rex Burkhead, very much fits that description. Or if Sonny Michelle fumbles, which he happened to do 12 times in college, you know, Rex Burkhead can be that guy. And Rex Burkhead is going to give me standalone value, I think, anyways with like 9 to 12 touches per game and, you know, potentially goal line carries. Um, Marshawn Lynch, I think, is super undervalued right now. Hmm. I know he's not, you know, he's not sexy, but – he does appear to have job security. I mean, the biggest threat to his job is Doug Martin, who hasn't cracked you know three yards per carry since you know 2009. Since he was the muscle and hamster. Since he was the muscle hamster, um, and I think it's probably just over for Doug Martin. And Marshawn Lynch, as last year progressed, kept getting better. I thought, and by the end of the season, he was the the best player in the Raiders' offense. Um, and so he showed me enough last year. Uh, that I, I can feel pretty good about him, and that that interior offensive line for the Raiders is still really, really strong. The tackle spots, of course are, are very much a work in progress. Um, and then the the Packers running backs are really interesting. Jamal, uh, Williams, and Aaron Jones, if one of those guys gets hurt, you know the other guy can be a league winner.
1: So since you mentioned the Raiders, I want to bring this up. Um, there are two players that I think are kind of shoved down the ADP lists on draft.com right now, and those can take a while to change, right? One, and as soon as I enter uh, drafts, I put him in my queue, and it's it's Jarek McKinnon because he's down there like listed in this crazy low, like 40 ADP or something like that. Meanwhile, he should be a second or a third round selection. Um, I mean, he's going mid-second in a lot of drafts that I've been doing lately, Evan. Um, And then the other one is Amari Cooper. And I understand that, like, maybe I should never draft Amari Cooper ever again. But, again, if if we're trying to decide what are truthful statements that coaches and offensive coordinators and whoever else are making, I mean, there might not be a more truthful one that I believe in than John Gruden saying our passing offense is going to go through Amari Cooper. We're going to move him around. And, again, he's being... And his current ADP is around the Josh Gordon, Adam Thielen, T.Y. Hilton, Allen Robinson area. And I feel really, really good about Amari Cooper at kind of like the, the third to fourth round turn.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I, you know, I have taken a lot of Amari Cooper. He's my wide receiver five in terms of exposure, my fifth highest owned wide receiver. And I mean, I've done a, a crazy amount of drafts. So I'm with you there. You know, I think that he still has a pretty good floor. Um, he doesn't necessarily have to blow it up. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm drafting seven or eight wide receivers on my team. Um, but I, I think he's got a good floor and he's got a massive upside. Um, Martavis Bryant was a guy that I was taking a lot before the draft, uh, especially as a guy that last year was going in the fifth round and he, was, and he was going in the 11th round before the draft. He's someone that I'm not even drafting anymore. Um, and then Jared cook, you know, Mike beers, Mike beers, uh, he might be the best, uh, best ball player on the planet. He, uh, has been talking about how Jared cook, uh, is his highest owned tight end. So Interesting. something to, something to file away, you know, what it really points to. And I, um, and they've also, you know, they, they've got big playability in Martavis Bryant. I think Jordy Nelson is going to be in the slot a lot. We like Amari Cooper. Mike Beers loves Jared Cook. You know, Derek Car- I think it makes Derek Carr pretty interesting. Yeah. I, n- I know I don't <laughs> love Derek Carr either, but as like a solid, stable quarterback too that really no one wants to draft and you can get in the 13th round a lot of times, he's a guy that I've sort of started to gra- gravitate toward just based on price.
1: So in his ADP right now, Derek Carr's is in that Jameis Winston Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith territory. Um, yeah, I mean, especially if we're talking about best ball leagues, Evan. Like my eyes just lock onto Patrick Mahomes.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I would only take Derek Carr if those three guys are off the board. Yeah.
1: There we go. Yep. Uh, speaking of highest and largest exposure, too. Um, you tweeted the the tweet you mentioned and referenced. Uh, your highest, your five highest exposures pre- and post-draft. Number one is Doug Baldwin in round three or round four. Number two is Marvin Jones, round five or round six. LaShawn McCoy in round two or round three. Melvin Gordon in the first or the second round. And then Marcus Mariota in round 11 or 12. Let's focus on Mariota for a second, Evan. Finally, Exotic Smashmouth is done. It's six feet under, thankfully. Um, I- I'm excited to see what this passing offense can do. What are you excited to see and why are you drafting so many Marcus Mariota shares?
0: A lot of different reasons. Um, you know, one thing I've had success doing, and uh, J.J Zacharyessen, who you mentioned earlier on the podcast, I think pretty good the at first his job. One or, he is very good at his job. He would think he was the first one to highlight this, that a uh, touchdown percentage for um, quarterbacks is one of the easiest metrics to use year to year. Um, just, just going off regression, you know, whether it be positive regression toward the mean, negative regression away from the mean, um, Matt Ryan was a great example of it last year. Matt Ryan had an absurd touchdown rate over 7% uh, league high in 2016, of course, his MVP year. We knew that he was going to regress, didn't quite know that he was going to regress as sharply as he did. Uh, But he was at 3.8% last year, and that really helped torpedo his fantasy season. At the opposite end of the spectrum, Russell Wilson, the previous year, had uh, set a career low in touchdown percentage, uh, and he was one of my favorite quarterback picks uh, heading into last year, and he went on to lead the NFL in touchdown passes with 34. Marcus Mariota in his first two NFL seasons, his touchdown rate was five and a half percent, which is the same touchdown rate as Aaron Rodgers in his career. Last year, Marcus Mariota regressed to 2.9 percent. So I think that he's going to really bounce back in terms of his touchdown rate. I also like a lot of things that have gone on around him. Um, beginning with the coaching staff hires. You go from literally the oldest coaching staff in the NFL by a good margin uh, with Mike Malarkey, Terry Robisky, Dick LeBeau, um, to a much younger uh, coaching staff. uh, And the the guy who's going to have the offensive autonomy, Matt LaFleur, of course, coming from that Sean McVay system. You have uh, a really steady – a couple of steady veterans in – Uh, Delaney Walker and Rashard Matthews in the pass catcher core and a lot of room for growth for the two wide receivers who we both really like Corey Davis and Taewon Taylor in the slot.
1: Yeah is there any positive news you can give me about Taewon because I know they signed Michael Campanero, and like that just gave me some nightmares and I know that was just a one year deal but like I could really see and I'm biased for sure but like I could really see some big games out of Taewon if he is a consistent member of their three wide receiver sets.
0: Since the NFL draft ended, Taewon Taylor, well, before the NFL draft, Tyler Lockett was my favorite late round wide receiver. Now it's Taewon Taylor. I mean, I take him in every draft. (laughs) Yes. Every draft in the 18th round.
1: Hopefully this is a good call, Evan. Marvin Jones and Golden Tate are back-to-back in terms of their ADP right now. Um, for a long time, we considered Golden Tate the presumed first option at wide receiver on that team, but Marvin Jones' 2017 season was unbelievable, and he made some ridiculous plays down the field, contested, vertical shots, all that good stuff. He was amazing. Do we think he can replicate that and be the top-scoring wide receiver from that team again in 2018?
0: Yeah, depending on what format you looked at in terms of scoring last year, Marvin Jones was anywhere from the wide receiver 4 to the wide receiver uh, 11, Uh, whether it be PPR, you know, half-point PPR, whatever. I really like this passing offense. You know, I trust this passing offense. I think it's a high-floor passing offense, and I think that Marvin Jones took a step with Matthew Stafford to where he could really – like Matthew Stafford could trust Marvin Jones and then you pull Eric Ebron's 85 targets out of the offense and there's a lot more opportunity for those wide receivers now Kenny Galladay is going to get more and if you look at the splits where Kenny Galladay played and you know did not play last year doesn't reflect super well uh, for Marvin Jones like Marvin Jones had 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 his big games when Kenny Galladay was not in there but I think that that's offset by Um, the, the, the removal of Eric Ebron, because then you look at the tight end depth chart in Detroit, it's Michael Roberts and Luke Wilson. And I don't think Mm -hmm. that either of those guys is going to take some really big step forward. Uh, so I think that Marvin Jones is just really, really safe. And he has those, those, that big week upside that we've seen. I mean, he took Xavier Rhodes to school a little bit last year. Um, and I think that he is still on the, in, in the, in his ascent phase in his career and Matthew Stafford trusts him, And I, I'm really big on the quarterback to wide receiver bond. And I think that that has really developed for staff Stafford and Marvin Jones
1: before we get to some of our, and we mentioned a lot of them um, late round targets that we really like in best ball leagues, are late round shots. I do want to remind you that if you enjoyed this podcast to subscribe, rate and review it. If you already subscribed, it really does help us out. Tell a friend. Um, and also we're talking about draft.com best ball league. So go to draft.com slash RotoWorld or use promo code Josh or use promo code, uh, RW when signing up, I think it's actually promo code Norris, either one, it all works. And you can get a free $3 entry. And again, if you like drafting fantasy football, this is the type of fantasy league you should try out. Try it one time. You'll really enjoy it. This is why Evan and I talk about it so much now and so much in the future. Um, Evan, I kind of drift towards wide receivers later on because running backs, I have no idea what to do with them. in that portion of the draft and all the good ones or all the ones even potentially getting on the field um, are all gone. Um, We mentioned Trent Taylor, we mentioned a few other guys, I want to throw out Albert Wilson's name, who's constantly there in round 16, 17 or 18, as well as Torrey Smith, like again, we are looking just for some top 12 wide receiver weeks, right, some 10 plus scoring weeks, and if Torrey Smith hits on a 40 plus yard touchdown in a game, which he should do, you know three, four, five times this year, he's going to put up 10 plus points in a single week. And so to me, that's worthy of a sixteenth,
0: 17th or 18th round selection. Okay. I can't get on board with Torrey Smith, but it's <laughs> <That's> fine. <laughs> um, speaking of later round receivers and I, I, am totally with you conceptually. Uh, I like, I think I would take Mike Wallace over Torrey Smith. Okay. Um, but Albert Wilson definitely is a guy that I'm willing to take. Um, Ideally, in the 18th, he's usually there, not always, but he's usually there. I'll, t- I'll take him in the 17th, too. Um, but he's definitely on the radar. You know, I'm not messing around with John Ross. You know, you, you go no. and look at the history of wide receivers that do nothing in year one. It's I mean, it's it, that, that are drafted high and, and do nothing in year one. It's really, really bleak. Uh, and those are just guys that I have avoided for the last three to four years, you know, since I did that research. And it has really paid off from guys like Rashad Perryman to, you know, Kevin White to you know, just guys that do nothing. In, uh you know, Cody Latimer, those are guys that I avoid, you know, and I, I get that he was a top 10 pick and he theoretically is going to get opportunities. At this point, I think his probability is about the same as Josh Malone's, you know, the the fourth round pick last year it could just as well easily be josh malone in that role and i'm just avoiding that sort of situation going up the board a little bit more emmanuel sanders is a guy that i love to get in the 10th and 11th rounds now people have started to catch on to that a little bit um, but even in the ninth you know he's he's a guy that i'm definitely willing to reach for this is probably going to be the best quarterback play that he has had um in several years i mean you know, last year it was uh, Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. The year before it was Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch. And then it was dead arm Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler. Yeah, I think this is going to be a good year for Emmanuel Sanders. Great year to buy him back after he struggled with an ankle injury uh, last season. I like Jamison Crowder as the kind of clear-cut one for the Redskins. Um, and I think I like the way that he kind of meshes with Alex Smith's uh, you know, his skill set. And I also like Paul Richardson as a big play threat in the 15th round.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm sure Emmanuel Sanders is the best quarterback he's played with since catching preseason snaps from Zach Dysert. <laughs> Do you know what I love about best ball, Evan? We can like trace. And I, I did this previously um, with some tools that Josh ADHD put out on Twitter uh, in previous years that like, remember Kelvin Benjamin had this like twirling, Uh, catch in preseason games, uh, that was just an outstanding grab. that, And I think it was an island game, a spotlight game as well. Like, you can trace his ADP or his wide receiver positioning jumping from five or or four spots just from one play in preseason. Like, we'll probably get that from Chris Godwin today, right, or this week's news that he has earned a starting role. So Chris Godwin, who might have been there in round 14 or 15, might jump up to round 10 or 11 or 12. And that's the coolest thing to to follow with best ball leagues because if you get ahead of that stuff, your roster can mm-hmm. be stacked by the end of, of preseason just if, if you are forward-thinking and try to read the tea leaves a little bit.
0: Yeah, you know, and we should talk specifically about that Tampa Bay offense. Yeah, let's because, do it. Man, there, are, there are a lot of options. And we saw it was the OC, Todd Monken, right, who said that about... Um,
1: Chris Godwin. Is yep. that
0: correct? It is. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I saw that today. I was driving from the Wisconsin Dells, so it wasn't, you know, closely paying attention to every uh, news, every news nugget today. Um, but how is that exactly going to work? You know, because we all right, we know, Mike Evans is locked in. We think that Deshaun Jackson is probably locked in. I mean, they can't move on from his contract yet. They can next offseason, though. Everything can come off the books next off season. But we think, I mean. Dirk Cutter had positive things to say about DJacks after last season. Like he was getting open. They just weren't finding him. Um, you know, and that happens sometimes in year one with a new wide receiver. It, it actually happens more often than not. Uh, and then we have Adam Humphreys, who they gave a second round tender yep. as a restricted free agent. So, exactly, I mean, is that just coach speak or exactly how was that going to work? And then they have the two tight ends in um, in O.J. Howard and Cameron Brake. So how exactly is this going to go? I still think that Chris Godwin is going to need someone else to get hurt to really matter.
1: And I'm not saying that he's going to be a contributor this year, but they also really like Justin Watson, the wide receiver from Penn that they selected. In fact, Jason Light said that he meets with the owner's ahead of the draft the day before. And he said, we are exiting this draft with Justin Watson. If you want to read my press conference series, you can go do that uh, on on the draft section, but it's, it's, that's pretty noteworthy, right? Like they wanted to exit the draft with him on the yeah. roster because they believe in him. Um, and look, I mean, j- just from reading some of the people that follow the bucks, it certainly sounds like this is referring to Godwin as an outside receiver. So maybe, maybe they used a Sean Jackson, in the slot. I don't know if that's a natural fit for him, maybe in like a Kenny stills capacity in the slot as well. Um, who knows this, it might just be coach speak that is prevalent and rampant at this time of year. Right. And we'll know more again, as we get through the preseason and training camp and stuff like that, because things hopefully become more and more clear with it. Um, I want to close with one question, Evan, uh, what round are you drafting Tavon Austin in? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not taking Tavon Austin. Now, Stephen <laughs> even if Jones he's getting would, 12
1: to 24 touches a game.
0: Stephen Jones would probably be taking him <laughs> at the one-two turn. You know,
1: dude, I I could not believe I heard that when going through that press conference. 12 to 24 touches plus receiving ability. Um, like the dude just doesn't know how many like touches players get in a game.
0: That's a, exactly. That's exactly what it is. He doesn't even know anything about those kind of numbers he's just like thinks you just go out there and play ball (laughs) and he 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 probably thinks that you know like gadget players do get the ball 12 to 24 times because he never actually like you know look looked at it like looked into it like oh how many times are these guys he probably thinks Zeke Elliott gets the ball 60 times a game
1: (laughs) yeah like what there might be 60 65 offensive snaps in a game and so giving a web back, we need to emphasize that B um, they, yeah, they, they said it was going to be Lance Dunbar and then get 12 to 24 touch. It was, it was just incredible. Again, I listened to it 45 times. Um, and if you want to go check out that series, it's over on, like I said, the draft section of Roto world press conferences. I've done the NFC East, the NFC South finishing up the NFC West that I'll post this weekend. And again, Evan's tears for uh, all positions for best ball are up on the football section. And again, go check out draft.com slash World, free $3 entry if you sign up that way. And again, subscribe if you have not. So Evan, thanks a lot. This is a quick one. I appreciate you doing it with me. And for all of you out there, you beautiful people, thanks for listening. We'll talk to y'all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal